always want to deposit something into your heart. Uh, and, and this year has been a year that is really even um, unprecedented in so many ways. You know, we're coming out of a pandemic. Uh, you know, we, we've never experienced what we experienced in 2020. And then 2021, uh, everybody's like, man, thank God we're coming out. It's going to be great. You know, God's, God's moving and he is. Um, and then we go into this freak winter storm and, uh, you know, what can happen a lot of times is as you experience one battle after another battle after another battle, I mean, you could just begin to get worn down. Um, and it's not that anything is wrong with you. You're just normal. Come on, somebody. They, I mean, no, so when you fight long enough, you, at some point you're just like, come on. You know, and these aren't battles that... Most people like, it's like, oh, well, it's a random battle. No, we've all been through this. We've all been socially distanced. We've all been isolated. We've all had to learn what a new normal looks like. It doesn't matter what your normal looked like before. Everybody was homeschooling for a little while. Uh, everybody was working basically remote for a little while. And if you weren't, then you were, you, you know, you were extremely slammed. A lot of the hospitals, I was talking to a nurse yesterday and uh, Ethan's wife, where's Brittany? I don't know if Brittany's in this service, but they were painting and getting things ready. She's part of the special events and she's a nurse. And she said, you know, I think I'm just going to go work at a school as a nurse. Like, I don't want to work in the hospital anymore. Why? Because they're getting burned out. It's, they've been in crisis, and it's not just a short-term crisis. They've been living in crisis for almost a year. You realize at the end of this month, it'll be a year that many people who have been deemed essential have been living in crisis mode. I mean, it's a long time. I mean, I, I don't care who you are. And then what happens is this pandemic begins to reshape the psyche of America. Uh, and, and let me just say it like this, you know, we're afraid of things we were never afraid of before. Like what, what, where does fear come from? I mean, the Bible tells us it's, you know, fear, fear doesn't come from God. Look, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love of sound mind. And so if we begin to walk in fear, if we succumb to fear, we begin to lose the power that God intended for the church to walk in. And so what we have to understand is we recognize the cautiousness and we want to exercise wisdom, but we also have to make a determination that I'm not going to subject myself to a demonic spirit that doesn't come from God. Right? At some point, we have to recognize that it is an attack. Because if the enemy can cause you to walk in fear, you'll no longer walk in power because you can't walk in both. You got to walk in confidence. You got to walk in boldness. You got to you got to say, "Okay, God, I'm going to do everything we can to stay safe." But then at the same time, God, I've got to have a life of faith. I've got to step out and say, "Look, you didn't call me to shrink back, but to step forward." Yeah. So here's what I would challenge us with: is you know they're releasing the band in Texas on Wednesday, which thank God for the release of the mass band. <laughs> Now, let me, let me just tell you this. I realize there's, there's people on both sides. You know, some people are like, well, I don't want to do it. And others are like, man, thank God. And, and I don't want to isolate anybody. But the reason why I say thank God is just because at some point, here's, here's the other reality. Are we going to live with masks for the rest of our lives? 
Are we going to live in this fear for the rest of our lives? I mean, if you think about our life and, and for the rest of your life, how do you want to live? Like, like by now, most people have been vaccinated. A lot of people, if not everybody. And so at some point, now the mask, here's what the caution has to be. That mask has become a part of your identity. It's, it's subconsciously, and, and I see it often, and it's one of the things that I'm looking at, even as you, you're driving in a car by yourself and you forgot you were wearing a mask. Right? I mean, c- come on. I mean, we kind of laugh at that, but who's going to give you COVID in your car? It's your car. What happened? They just, they just forgot. Why? Because they've had it on for so long, it's just become a part of who they are. And then we start to personalize the mask. So now we personalize our fear. We, we, we call it things, we become friends with it. Look, we don't need to play with the enemy. We gotta fight the enemy. So we gotta say, no, I'm not gonna walk in fear. I'm gonna walk in faith. I'm gonna step forward. This is my year. And I just want to encourage the church that we've got to learn to say enough is enough to the enemy. And here's where I know, even in my own life, I find myself, here we are, like someone sits close to me. I'm like, yo, you're too close. Someone touches you. You ever, here's better yet. You're somewhere and you hear a cough. How many you start to look around? (laughs) A cough, like you're going to die from a cough. Or a sneeze, you're like, I hope they put their mouth in their armpit. Come on, right? Cover it. And and so what I'm saying is it didn't bother us before the pandemic, and now it bothers us. It It didn't have any impact on us before, and now it does. And this is all I'm saying. I'm not picking a side on who's right or who's wrong. We just have to be aware of how it has reshaped our lives. And then this is the question we have to ask is, God, where do you want me to live? Holy Spirit, lead me, help me, because I don't want to succumb to fear. I, I want to use wisdom. So God, where does that leave me? And so I want to challenge each and every one of us to say, God, this year I choose to recognize the areas where the enemy has begun to attack me and it's become okay and comfortable. Like, look, dysfunction can become normal. <laughs> I think about this often. You know, everybody thinks your life is normal. You're like, well, I'm normal, and everybody else is screwed up. Come on, somebody. Everybody, that's y'all. You messed up. You messed up. You... Somebody act like I cussed. I didn't cuss. You messed up. Right. How many of you know it's like, why? And they're probably either healthier or, or just like you, but it's like, no, my dysfunction is normal. And so it's like, well, I don't even recognize it and it's okay. And I'm normal and you're not. And what I would challenge us is the same thing that my counselor tells me is that as you get healthier, you recognize the things that are no longer healthier. Like it was okay for a while, but you ought to be getting healthier. So as you take steps forward, it's like, well, that's not okay anymore. I can't live like that anymore. Why? Because now I know that's dysfunction. It's the same thing with the way that we have started to learn to live life. We got to just recognize and say, look, God didn't call us to wear a mask our entire life. Come on, I didn't get any amens. God didn't call us to be afraid to have close proximity to people. You know who, who wants you to be isolated? The enemy. Because if the enemy can get you isolated, the enemy can pick you off. He can't pick you off when you're in relationships. can't pick you off when you have people that are next to you. And, 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 and the greatest tragedy that I would say that I've seen is the fact of physical touch. People need physical touch. 
Like, what does that mean? That means you got to hug people. You got you to gotta have five people. You got to touch people. Like, there is a, 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 a challenge when it's like, no, no, I don't want to touch. Don't hug me. No, no, this. You know, it's like, okay, but eventually, look, we're going to hug. Why? Because it's good to hug, man. Give me a hug. Come on, brother. Give me a hug. Come on, sister. Give me that side hug. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you that, that, that you realize that it's like we don't even touch anybody anymore. And then we don't even we say air high five. It's air high five. And, it, and, and so we recognize, okay, my life's changed, but I've got to just say, okay, God, I'm going to go back to what you intended. That's to have authentic relationships, to be in close proximity. And I want to challenge those of you in our online fam. Listen, I, I love the fact that we have an online family. Come on, church, give it up for our online family. But if you're in this region, you need to come on back. Like there is nothing like being together in person. We, we clean and sanitize this place. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. All I'm saying is that God intended for us to gather together as the body of Christ. It, it's like going uh, and watching the, 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 a football game. You know, it's great to, to watch the Super Bowl on TV, but how many know it's better to be there in person? That's a lot like church. Like, it's great, man. It's awesome. I'm glad you're worshiping with us, but there is nothing like being in this place. There's nothing like corporately together worshiping God and saying, man, we're in this together. So I want to encourage you, take that step. Look, you're going out to eat at the restaurant. You're going to buy groceries. You're, you just got to come on back. Let's be the church. Let's stand up and let's let this be the best year that we have ever had. Amen. Now I want to introduce a thought to you. Um, I want to go into the book of Nehemiah. Uh, in January, we did prayer and fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I really have been asking God, God, what are we doing over the next couple of months? Where do you want us to go? And specifically, even through the anniversary. Um, and I felt like the Lord really gave me a direction. Now, our word for this year is kingdom. We want the kingdom of God to be advanced. We want it to be demonstrated. Our, our number one desire is that heaven would come to earth. That, that the kingdom within us would impact the world around us. That we have so much of God that when we're at the grocery store, when we're at the gas station, when we're driving down the freeway, we're, we're letting people know just by how polite we drive, right? No, no, that's right. Come, come on, just get on in. Jesus loves you with your Anchor Ben sticker on the back of your car. Come on. Living that life. <laughs> the kingdom of God within us, impacting the world around us. But I believe God's giving us a challenge over the next two months. And I'm going to call it the Nehemiah Challenge. Because Nehemiah, I found the Lord draw me to this book of Nehemiah. It's not very long. But I believe it's right where we're at as a church. I believe it's where we're at as a society. Nehemiah is the cupbearer for King Xerxes of Persia. And he gets word that Judah and uh, Jerusalem has been destroyed. The walls have been torn down. People are coming back, but there is no security because of the walls being torn down. And so we see Nehemiah begin to weep and cry and pray and fast. His heart was broken because the enemy had torn down the very thing that was built up to protect God's people. 
And so the king sees him downcast and what's wrong, Nehemiah? And so he begins to say, the city of my people, God's people, the walls have been torn down. My heart is broken. So ultimately what happens is he gets permission from the king to go to, the, to his hometown and to, to lead the people to rebuild the walls so that God's people can live in safety and security and they can flourish. And it's an amazing story. It's where I believe we are as a people that, that here we are, no matter what your life was like pre-corona, what I have seen is every person that I have met and spoken with has a place in their life where the enemy has either tried or successfully torn down the walls in their life. Whether it's just through the litany of attacks just over and over, maybe it's their marriage doing doing good pre-corona, got some things exposed in social distancing, distancing and isolation. How many know when your family and your spouse live in that same house and you stay there for month after month, how many know some things are going to be exposed? Mm-hmm. Some of you are like, God, I'm, I, I don't know about this spouse. Like I was praying for him, but I think I might have been wrong. Your kids, you're like, God, I brought them in and I can take them out. Come on, somebody. Ain't nobody even going to know. They can just sign in virtually and not put on the, the screen. Are they here? Come on. So it exposes some things in your relationships. So some of you expose some things financially. You thought you were, man, you were committed and maybe you were and and then you got furloughed or maybe you got laid off and you were tithing before and then now the enemy said, well, you can't afford to tithe. But the problem is he lied to you because you can't afford not to tithe. And so you just, you didn't, not intentionally, but you just kind of dropped off. And here's what I found with, with giving. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure is. So the enemy goes after your giving because if he can go after your giving, your attendance will soon follow. People say, well, I don't feel connected to the church. I always just go back to a couple of things. Are you still giving? Are you still serving? Are you still showing up? If you're doing those three things, look, it don't matter what you feel because I don't, I don't know about you. There's a lot of times in life that I don't feel it, but I got to just do it. I stay faithful, and as I do, God walks me through the valley. So maybe he's attacked your finances. He got a foothold in it. Maybe, maybe he attacked your character, your morals. God delivered you from some things. Maybe it was the way you thought, the, 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 the bad thinking, the stinking thinking. Maybe it was some addictions. Maybe it was drugs or alcohol. Maybe it was pornography. Maybe, maybe it was something that, that your character, you used to be strong, but he wore you down in such a way that you've succumbed to some of your temptations. And you find yourself now, you're in church physically. You might even have a smile on your face. But the truth is, on the inside, you feel like your life is in ruin. It's easy to find ourselves in that place. Maybe it's spiritually. You had a discipline. You're praying. You're reading your Bible. God, I'm with you. You, you, you got saved last year. We've had over 3,000 people say yes to Jesus here at Anchor Bend over the last eight years. And so here you find yourself. 
And you're like, God, I was praying every day. I was doing the first 15, five minutes of the word, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of worship. And now here you are six months later. You hadn't cracked your Bible. You're in church, which thank God for that. But your personal spiritual devotion to God has been in ruins. And because of that, you can tell the difference and you're just hanging on by a thread. It's okay. Listen, I, I get it. I, I, I'm not here to judge you. I think every person has a place that there's been some destruction in your life. So what we've got to do now is say, okay, listen, I understand, devil. You've come to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's what John 10, 10 says. But you can't stop there because it says, but God has come. Jesus was speaking and said, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And so I just say, God, I'm going to step into that life. Devil, you're defeated. The only way the devil wins is if you quit. And we're not going to quit. We're a gritty church. We have resolve. We're going to keep showing up. Look, if, if there's one thing that I've learned to win in life is you just got to show up. I don't have to be perfect. I just got to show up. I don't have to have it all figured out. I just got to show up. And if I'll show up, what happens is little by little, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, my life is radically changed because I stay tethered to the place that God intended for me to be. Not going to quit. But I think Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 17, look at what it says. This is where I, I believe we find ourselves. So Nehemiah is talking and he says, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then look at what he says. So he's here talking to the people of God. And this is the way I feel God's called me to position myself with you. This is the charge that I believe God is calling us to for the next 60 days. Let's rebuild the wall of our lives. Let's rebuild the walls of this church. Let's rebuild the walls of this city. Let's rebuild the walls of this nation. And how do we do it? We're going to show up. God will give us the grace to allow us to be a part. See, God could do it by himself. He chooses to not do it by himself. I, that's the thing I love about God. God is such a partner God. Look, he could do anything. But when you look through the Bible, there are rare miracles where God does it by himself. There's occasional Almost every single miracle is tied to the obedience of people. God says, I'm going to choose you. Come on, you got it. Nehemiah, God put that in his heart to pray and to fast. And then God said, I want you to rebuild the wall. So now Nehemiah had to make a choice. Will I go to the people? Will I go and ask the king? And so he says, yes. And every step of the way as he says, yes, God gives grace. God gives favor. God gives strength. And what we know is that in 52 days, the nation rebuilds the wall, and it wasn't a small feat. That wall, was, that wall was two and a half miles long. It was 40 feet high and eight foot thick. thick. And they had to rebuild it with stones. And some of the story, which I'm going to talk next week about, and, and I'm, I'm going to spend the next few weeks just talking about rebuilding our walls. I'm going to talk about rebuilding the walls of our family, rebuilding the walls of our personal lives, rebuilding the walls of our finances. And we're just going to go systematically. How do we rebuild? Because as a people, we've got to make sure that the walls are built up, not some walls, but every wall. 
And so they did this amazing feat. They rebuild the wall, and it's because he was able to rally the people. And what's interesting in this passage, and this is what I would tell us as we get ready to close, Eli, you guys can come up, is that in this story, two things happen. And, and I'm going to expound on some of this next week. You've got to come back next week. I'm going to talk about how to, how to start the process to rebuild what the enemy has tried to tear down. And so the first thing is this, the people, they were building with one hand and they had a sword in the other. So they're fighting in the other. Look, there are moments where we, we just fight battles. Like we built something and I'm just defending. I've already built it. So we're just defending our marriage. We're playing defense on our family. We're defense on our finances. But I'm telling you this, we're in a season where you're gonna have to rebuild and you're gonna have to fight. You're gonna have to build this back up and you're gonna have to fight against the enemy to come and tear it up. And this is what I believe that in 52 days, 60, we're gonna do two months. It'll be May 2nd. I'm asking us to fully go all in and say, look, I'm going to be here every single week. We're going to focus on this. We're going to study the book. We're going to learn from it. And we're going to rebuild that in a short amount of time, what would have taken years, what maybe would have taken decades. God's not going to do it in a year. God's not going to do it in, a, 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 in 10 months. He's going to do it in two months in our lives. That's what I'm believing. A miracle is going to take place. The second thing that, that I found that was so interesting, and this is kind of a warning, is Sanballat was the enemy that, that really came against Nehemiah. And uh, what Sanballat did was, I believe, a representation of what the devil tries to do in our life. Sanballat makes accusations of Nehemiah. Oh, I know you. You just want to establish your own kingdom. I know you just, and he starts to put all these accusations out. Why? Because he didn't have any power. See, Nehemiah was sent on the authorization of the king. He was legally authorized. Look, God has you on a legal assignment. You are legally authorized to be blessed. You are legally authorized to be disciplined. You are legally authorized to see darkness flee, to go out and to evangelize. And so when we understand that I have a legal right to live this life in the strength, the power, the grace of God, then what I know is everything the devil does is illegal. So Sinbala didn't even have legal authorization, but what he tried to do was pull him out through accusation. And he started to put rumors out. Anybody ever heard the rumors about you? And so you begin to defend rumors. Don't defend rumors. Just live out your authorization. Do what God's called you to do. And God will defend your life. Stop trying to fight all the other things. And then Sanballat tried to pull him out four times. He tried to pull him out. And what they were going to do is they were going to murder him. And I think that's what the enemy's been trying to do with people here at church. You know, we know Barna had a stat, 32% of the church uh, it didn't come back, whether online or in person. And what I believe has happened is that enemy's just pulling them out. Why? Because the place of safety, the enemy has no legal right to take you out. But if he can draw you out. And so I want to caution you that over the next week, don't let the enemy draw you out. Oh, you don't fit there. It's not going to be good. 
Now, it's, and it's all accusation. It's stuff to pull you out. You get offended. Maybe you get busy. Whatever it is, what he wants to do is cause you to miss this miracle that God is about to do. Every dream he placed in your heart, it's going to come to pass. Every vision he put in your life, it's going to come to pass. I'm believing for miracles, signs. I'm believing for wonders. I'm believing for revival. That business God put in your life. And look, it's not even about you. It's all about God. That God gets the glory because it's God's business. It's God's family. It's God's marriage. It's God's finances. If everything belongs to him, then it brings him glory. So that over these next two months, that as a church, I believe supernatural, it's going to step up. This church is going to, it's going to be a miracle. People say, how in the world would you say it's God? Why? Because we've been fighting. And we've been rebuilding. We've been fighting and we've been rebuilding. Then what I'm believing is going to be a period of rest. We're going to go into this summer. We're going to rest in the grace of God, the power of God, the strength of God. And we're going to see lives changed. This is going to be our best year ever. Yeah.